Hey, welcome to the Bibleosophy Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Wallace. I'm very excited to be looking at the Bible with you today. Uh, with Bibleosophy, we look at the Bible in its context, trying to place ourselves within it. Then we see what and how we can apply what we're learning to our lives. And basically, we just want to know what wisdom can we gain from genuinely encountering the Bible. Uh, this is our sixth episode, and today we're going to talk about something I don't quite understand. Yeah, a whole podcast with the conclusion of, I don't understand this. Don't worry, though. It's a really good thing to not understand and to talk about it. So yesterday we got to hang out with some of our family, including our grandsons. Uh, one of them is six, and he just lost his two bottom teeth. And uh, just giving you a picture here, and could not pack more energy into a little human body than what he currently has. The other grandson is about four months old, and his whole world is binary. He's either okay or he's not. You can tell whether when he's not okay because he starts to wriggle insanely. His face scrunches up like the worst possible thing is happening to him, and then he starts to cry. Usually this whole scene, though, is resolved by simply feeding him. So I don't know, maybe you've seen a baby. Uh, so Because they, they all seem to do this. I mean, babies, am I right? Anyway, if only they knew how good they have it. How good life would be if all you had to do was wriggle, scrunch your face up and start crying and whatever you wanted, just show up. I, that would be amazing, right? I mean, babies are just, well, they're so blessed. Anyway, so today I want to talk about something I don't quite get, uh, meaning I don't understand something to the degree that I want to understand it. I get some of the concept of it, but when I drill down, I don't get it. When I find the word in the Bible, and then go into the original language, it still doesn't reveal anything to me. Um, and uh, the reason I want to do this is that I want to use it to teach us not only about the, the thing, but I want us to teach us how to work on an issue and hopefully give you some freedom to intelligently not know, um, or even allow something you don't know to bug you without negatively impacting your ability to trust God. So uh, the issue I'm wrestling with is the idea of blessing and how God used it with Abram. So let me introduce this problem by reading uh, three pieces from the Bible from Genesis 12. We're, we were working last week on Genesis 11 and 12 uh, just to, to uh, get the real context. And we kind of kind of nerded out and uh, went deep into uh, that whole the, the whole uh, uh, Tower of Babel thing. And today, though, I just I want to uh, maybe less nerd and more how we experience some some things uh, in reference to the Bible and how we read it and and how uh, we experience life also in light of it. So uh, anyway, so let's start with Genesis 12, 1 through 3. We read some of this that we read this last week, but uh, we're going to use this as an introduction to it. So Genesis 12, 1 through 3 says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. God continues, and this is God's, you know, blessing here. And he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Verse three says, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Cool. We got that. We went through that last week. 
now Genesis 12 verse 7. We didn't hit on this last week, but this is becomes really important going forward, but uh, the Lord said to Abram, appeared to Abram again. So Abram has, was up in a place called Haran, uh, north of the land of Israel, and he starts moving south to the area of Canaan where God was showing him. Abraham gets there. He goes to a couple different places right in the middle of, of uh, Israel. And uh, as he gets to a particular spot, uh, the Lord appears to Abram again and says, to your offspring, I will give this land. So Abram built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So Abram responds to God. God clarifies his blessing. So we've got that beginning of a general blessing. We get into the clarification of blessing. Um, Abram's response to it was not to ignore it, but instead really kind of buys into it and, and builds an altar to God, worships, I mean, responds to it incorrectly, I mean, gets the whole thing. And then we get to verse 10. Okay, so what we've just read is verses 1 through 3. We read then verse 7, and verse 10 says this, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was so severe. Okay, so verse 2 is, I will bless you. Verse 7 is, I will give your offspring this land. And then verse 10 is, there was a, a, a famine so severe, and it affected Abram so much that he had to move out of the land God was had led him to and was promising him. So hopefully you're feeling a little bit of tension here, because that's, I think, what's supposed to be there. I think the context is building to this, and, or at least from a Western point of view. I don't know if it did from a Near Eastern point of view or ancient Near Eastern point of view, but from for us, I think we experience this. And so anyway, a possible question is, why did something bad happen? Why did God allow the famine? If he's taking care of Abram, if he's blessing Abram, and then verse 10 out of you know, I mean, we've only read 10 verses and, you know, we've gone blessing to blessing to now famine. This is confusing to me and to probably you. Uh, I want to propose a different question, though. Rather than why did God allow the famine, I want to ask if the famine happened, what did God mean by blessing? So let's think about this and, and what you and I believe about what is fundamental. Essentially, what things are non-negotiable? So here's the state. Here's here's a statement. What God says is true. It's just a proposal. I'm just putting that out there. Okay. I'm not uh, just a statement. What God says is true. So if you're a God follower currently, it's most likely you agree with that statement that what God says is true. Now this first story, God says, "I will bless you," and he, in that same first story, he says, "I will give this land to your offspring." In this second story, which starts at verse ten. Uh, which we're going to dive into next week and and really see some cool stuff. Uh, but in verse 10, this begins a second story. Uh, and it says there was a famine so severe that Abraham had to leave the land. And for many of us, if we're honest, we've been taught that the most important things in life are the circumstances that we're living in, the situations we're living in. And the Bible, though, disagrees. It places God's character and what God has said as the most important thing. We experience what our circumstances are, and we often think those are the most important things. The Bible's turned flipping this and saying, no, what God has said is the most important thing. The questions then we draw from the stories that we're going to read, we're reading now and going to be reading in the Bible actually indicate 
not so much that there's a real question, but the stuff we're leaning on, the, the things we've hold to be fundamental. The questions that we ask reveal stuff often more about us and what we're thinking than anything else. If we see, for example, the circumstances, the famine as the most important thing, we end up questioning why a bad thing happened which this makes sense. This is the logical conclusion. If the circumstance is the most important thing, if the experience of that time is the most important thing, it makes sense to ask, where is God? Why isn't he protecting Abram? Why is a bad thing happen? Why is pain in the world? These are the things that, that they make sense from this perspective. On the other hand, if we place God's character and what he has said as the first thing, the logic changes and the questions then change. The circumstance or the famine in this case becomes just a part of the story. The famine is just another thing. So it'll tell, it says that Abram moved from, uh, from Haran down to Canaan and we don't go, well, why would God make him do why? You know, he had to walk. Are you serious? Why would he do that? We're not questioning that thing, but when it hits a famine, we start having a question. I'm saying my what I'm proposing is that the circumstance of the famine is no different than the circumstance of the journey. So our struggle then um, becomes pretty uh, pretty acute, becomes pretty precise in that our idea of blessing, because what we're looking at is the, the the famine is stating is almost is like this anti blessing. And what instead we're finding by this, the questions that we end up bringing up is that our idea of blessing can't handle the bigness of our idea of famine. So we question the blessing. As a result, we have the tendency to question the reality of the blessing, which is in reality questioning the stated word of God, which God said to Abram, I will bless you. We end up being like children begging to learn our bike and then confused and angry when we fall off, not able to understand, maybe at that point, that falling off is a part of the process. We question the voice of the parent who said, I'll teach you to ride because of we scraped our knee. Essentially, we assume we understand the blessing because we think we understand famine, when in fact, we probably only barely understand either of them. Hopefully you're following, because I think our model tends to be, uh, our model for understanding things tends to be, what am I experiencing? Number two, how do I feel about it? Number three, what am I going to do? And then number four, possibly, sometimes, what does the Bible say? And unfortunately, in this model, the Bible then becomes used as validation for the opinion we have decided on. Or it becomes the thing we can get rid of because it doesn't clearly doesn't agree with what we think we've understood through our experience. The Bible model goes this way, whereas our model says, what am I experiencing? What do I feel about it? What am I going to do? And then maybe what, the, what does the Bible say? The model that is presented in the Bible begins with what does God say? Number two, it, 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 all, these kind of blend together, but it says, what does God's character indicate? 
What kind of things by knowing him can we kind of, can we understand about the way uh, things work out? Number three, without it, let's imagine there's nothing you can go. This is exactly what God said. Um, what are the principles expressed? And so this is when we're we're bringing God's character into it. Bringing what are the other ideas that are there? How should, uh, for example, maybe it's a question: How should people be treated? And then number four, it's at this point then it says right, we can bring in how what am I experiencing. And then what am I going to do? So as the previous model says, what am I experiencing? How do I feel about it? What am I going to do? The Bible model is trying to get us to understand that the base of our trust, the thing that is fundamental for us is what is God. And then what does he say? What does who he is indicate to us? And what does it reveal about the situation that we're in? Because it's then that we're in the, what am I experiencing? I go, then what am I going to do? We have the correct fundamental information. And what we're experiencing is not the fundamental, but rather who God is and what he said is the fundamental thing. So let me sum this up. When we tend to have our perception backwards, uh, is that we tend to have our perception backwards compared to what the context of the Bible is presenting. The the Bible, biblical context of the passages we've just read places the fact that God said he was blessing Abram as the standard in Abram's life. This standard was so fundamental that that blessing thing would bleed out onto everyone else. That if it, affect, if it was so strong, so fundamental to Abram, that if you were around him, you would be blessed. So strong that not even if just you, you were around him, but that it was going to ripple out forever is what's being expressed here. That blessed then is this huge, huge idea. This is so fundamental that God even says that if anyone tried to uh, unbless Abram, so curse, if anyone tried to unbless Abram, they would actually unbless themselves, which jumps me back to a childhood thing of I'm rubber and your glue, whatever you say, bounces off me and sticks to you. I, so fundamental is, God, is the blessing on Abram that you could not even unbless him. And to the degree that if you tried, you actually cursed yourself. So then, in this, as the story goes, Abram gets these, these blessings from God. Abram gets uh, this, you know, th this is going to be your offspring and everything else. And he starts, he does what he, God told him to do. He travels to Canaan. God meets with him again and promises the whole land to Abram's children. Abram worships God with the sacrifice and it's all good. And Abraham is living his blessed and best life. At least the version of blessed I understand as blessed, which is mountaintop to mountaintop, awesome to awesome, big church to big church, exciting, you know, raise to raise and never without a job. House is always working. Nothing breaks down. Kids are amazing. They're all doing the best. It's unbelievable. People are just lining up on the street saying how great you are. That's now we've reached ridiculous. But still, blessed is at least everything's going right. Correct. See, until verse 10 in this famine that is so severe, Abram has to go full nomad again. I think that's what blessing is about. But now he has to leave the land that God has promised and has actually sent him to. So what's going on? Now we're finally back to the idea that I'm admitting I don't understand. And it's blessing. 
Seriously, I ask God, why do you, I, I can ask God, why did you allow this bad thing to happen? And, and I might ask God, I might, as I'm reading the scripture, I might go, doesn't this point to Abram not being blessed? I mean, it, this is so severe. It's not just that they're having to move. It's that they're, they're actually experiencing no food to the degree that they have to react and then leave. This is not a fun thing that's going on. They're seeing things not living anymore because of the how, how severe this is. That's the only way they would end up moving. And then I remember what God has said in this scripture. And then I remember the text, which says, I will bless you. And I realize that I believe in the famine more than I believe in the promise. I, I find myself wanting to question the goodness of God rather than question the badness of famine or even my understanding of blessing. So now I find myself in an uncomfortable place where I'm admitting I don't understand famine or blessing, but I was convinced I did because one feels good and the other doesn't. And I start to wriggle and my face scrunches up and I start to cry and crud. I'm a baby. And my understanding is so limited to my experience. See, sometimes my son and daughter-in-law can't immediately get to, to their baby, our grandson. So he cries louder and longer, and eventually they do get to him. I imagine that if he had words and an adult mind, he might, which would just be awful if you think about it. But if he, I just imagine he might be screaming, where are you? Why would you make me feel this uncomfortable? I imagine later after being fed, if he still had the same mind, he might process this recent experience and think those people almost let me starve. I don't know if I could trust those sociopathic giants to care for me. How did I even get here? I certainly didn't choose this type of hell. Sure, they, I mean, they say they love me, but what does that even mean in light of the extreme discomfort they made me endure? All the while, he's not able to see or even comprehend the blessings his parents heap on him. He doesn't understand the blessing, but he does experience the discomfort. But from my comparatively gigantic perspective, he is so blessed. I don't know if it's possible for him to be any more blessed than he currently is. I, I seriously, I, I mean, he's, anytime he cries, he's just fed and, that, and he gets to sleep just all the time. I don't think that would be my best life. But as a baby, what else do you need? There are always more things that they could have and he could have just more stuff. But on a qualitative level, I don't think anything could possibly be added. So next week, we're going to talk about the famine a little bit. We're going to talk about how in the face of Abram's super weird choice, which is just unbelievably weird. So go ahead and read read ahead uh, if you want, definitely. Um, and, but we're in the light of that. We're going to see how God's standard of blessing Abram actually shows up. For now, though, I want to tell you what I do see. I've told you that I don't understand. I want to tell you what I do see from the text, Okay. 
Number one, I see, as I'm trying to understand, this is my process, as I'm trying to understand blessing, when I am going into the Hebrew and it translates to blessed, and it doesn't add anything to me, it doesn't give me anything, and I get blessing as something good, kind of, but um, how does it, as in light of the famine, here's what I, I pull from this, is number one, that God's intention and plan for Abram was good. And his plan was whatever blessed is, that was his plan. The number two, God's plan was primarily through blessing and not pain. We do learn from pain. And that's some of what we're, you're, you're hopefully getting from this. But primarily God's plan is not to hurt you so that he can teach you. His plan is to bless you. His plan is to strengthen you. What is up for question is what blessing means. You got that? Is that God's intention and plan for Abram was good? God's plan and intention um, was primarily through blessing him and not through hurting him. Even though there was a famine and there was challenge, his plan was blessing still through this. Because number three, sometimes famines happen. And I'm using famine directly on uh, for this text, but hopefully you can get that there's a general metaphor there that you can see in your own life. So number one, that God's intention and plan for Abram was good. God's plan was primarily through blessing him and not through hurting him by any stretch. Number three, that famine still happened. And number four, a thing that I can that I draw out of this that I can see is that both blessing and famines only make sense in the larger story. The story that my grandson, either of them, cannot are not capable at their age of seeing. Because sometimes their lives, they're experiencing unhappiness in the moment. But to understand whether it's a true bad or it's a true good, whether it's blessing or, or some form of famine, they only make sense in the larger story. So next step for this week. In this episode, I've tried to show you that it's okay not to understand the whole of a thing. Because guys, I don't get this blessing to the degree that I would like to. I don't, if you find a definition for it, I promise you it's limited. It, how do you explain it? How do you explain how life is sometimes good when everything around may not be? How you can find peace when things outside of you are chaotic, or how when everything is truly blessed, we still are unhappy and we still are railing against something. How do we account for this except for, for admitting that we don't know? That our understanding is limited, that we don't get it. And that in doing that, we, we can find some freedom in this thing. I want to say that it's more an okay, than okay to wonder and not know. I, I want to challenge you to keep working, to keep trying, to keep seeking, to keep praying. But it's more than, a, but, but do that from this perspective of wonder and awe. See, we tend to associate wonder with amazement and awe, but I want to challenge you this week as a next step to use the wonder that you have to challenge your assumptions about what you might view as absolutes of good and bad. 
And I'm not even so much talking about a, a moral good and bad, whether someone else is doing good and someone else is doing bad, but your experience of it. There can be moral involved in that, and it's a much, much longer conversation. I don't know if we'll ever cover on a podcast, but just allowing yourself to accept that challenge, to accept that you don't know, that that, that maybe, and I'm going to say absolutely, the things that have been presented to you as absolutes and, and, and that have been preached as this is the form that God's blessing must take are that some of the very reasons that when famine shows up, even if it's just in the text of the Bible, our question goes to where's God? When the Bible is telling us, look, I began by saying I blessed you. Can you trust that during the famine? See, admitting you don't like something, that your experience of something is not fun, is often, weird, is often helpful. Admitting that it is evil or bad may keep you, though, from being able to see God through it. If you have to, uh, there's a lot said about labels, but if you have to attach it and kind of box it as that thing is evil, that thing is bad. And I'm not saying there aren't those categories. They absolutely are. But when we're too quick to them, to, to jump to them, we can isolate them and not see God through the challenge. See, we all begin as babies. We all begin as these little pink and kind of scrunched up. Yeah, you know, eventually though we develop and we grow, we, we, we hold our own bottles and we get spoons and sippy cups and we, we move on to feeding ourselves. We, in this, we learn patience and, and tolerance in spite of slight discomforts. We stop crying every time we're a little hungry. We create that opportunity to be fed. Listen to this. In developing that patience, we and our tolerance of these slight discomforts, we enable ourselves to be fed with food we wouldn't have been able to even able to appreciate as babies. Do you get that? I make some incredible food. I'm telling you, I really, really do. I make some gumbo that is just off the charts. But my grandsons don't know that yet because one couldn't eat it. He wouldn't be capable of it. And the other, it's not to his palate yet. His palate isn't to that spot yet. The, the ability to develop over time will allow him to be able to appreciate some incredible food. And I hope you're following a metaphor I'm not being blatant with. I'm, I'm just laying out there. Eventually, though, guys, we are able to sit at the table, having gotten our own food, and then listen, even food for our children, who we are now feeding because they are the ones crying. And again, I hope you understand this long metaphor because I remember feeding my son who now has sons. I remember who feeding them because they cried, and he is now feeding his son who is crying. He is the one who's now not crying, understanding a different perspective because of time and age and experience and the Word of God. And I remember loving him so much as I cared for him and his brothers. But now, listen, now, he and I, can sit at a table together with friends and we can talk and we can engage. See, I'm still my children's father, but now they are also my best friends. Is it possible in light of all of this that this is God's plan for us, that that is being blessed? 
Well, thank you for listening to the Bibleosophy podcast. If this is helpful to you, please take the time to give us a great review. Also, definitely subscribe and subscribe, get on Facebook and like us and get on the page and make comments. It'd be awesome. Then help us out by recommending this to everybody you know. Finally, if you have any questions we can work on or you want to hear more about, please go to our Facebook page and just let us know.